So welcome to Scanner School. My name is Phil Lichtenberger, and this podcast is here to teach you everything you need to know about the scanner radio hobby. All session notes can be found online at scannerschool.com slash session91. This podcast is sponsored by East Coast Pagers, and East Coast Pagers is one of my online companies, and we are a Unication, Apollo, and Swiss phone dealer. I just want to remind you that there are a couple of promos running this month, and one of them being a Unication G1 promotion where you can save $40 on a Unication G1 pager. That drops the price to $335.50 per pager. That's $335.50 per pager for Unication G1. Again, this expires uh, September 30th. 2019. So to order your pager, please go to eastcoastpagers.com or contact me directly, phil at eastcoastpagers.com. Again, that's eastcoastpagers.com. Welcome to The Scanner School, a podcast dedicated to the scanner radio hobby. Class is about to begin. Here is your host, Phil Lichtenberger. Okay, welcome back to Scanner School. This is, again, Phil Lichtenberger, W2LIE, and I want to thank you again for joining us for Scanner School. Now, this session, we have an interview with Kenneth Fowler. Kenneth is kind of my go-to guy when it comes to amateur radio DMR. And if you remember listening to the podcast where I had a consulting call with Lou Carollo, he and I talked about amateur radio DMR and why he wasn't receiving anything. But it was the phone call I had, the conversation I had with Kenneth, which you're about to listen to right now, that actually gave me the insight to be able to answer Lou's question. So the podcasts were a little bit out of order here. I actually ran through this interview first and then had my conversation or my consulting call with Lou. So there's a little bit more in this podcast than what Lou and I had talked about. A little bit more of a detail on how DMR, amateur radio DMR works, what it is you need to know, where you can get your radio IDs from, your user IDs if you're an amateur radio operator, what type of hardware you can use at different kinds of radios. So that's all included in today's podcast, whereas the previous one was more just about setting up your scanner and Sentinel. This is a bit more how to get into the hardware, uh, which scanners you can use and which two radios you can use as well. So again, even though it's amateur radio DMR, it's not limited to be listened to by just amateur radio operators. Anybody with a DMR receiver can listen to amateur radio DMR. And it's a really it's a great way just to listen to it because in some areas you may not have any commercial DMR, but there might be some amateur radio DMR floating around nearby. So with that, let's jump right into the interview with Kenneth and uh, we'll talk DMR. So today on the podcast, we have Kenneth Fowler. Kenneth is a, uh, he's, he's big into amateur DMR. And a couple weeks ago on the podcast, we actually had a question come up on Ask Scanner School regarding listening to amateur DMR. And my first instinct was to reach out and contact Kenneth. And Kenneth was nice enough to say he'd come on the podcast and we could talk about it, and which is great because I'd rather him discuss it than me because as far as I'm concerned, Kenneth... Uh, knows more a lot bit about this topic than I do. So, uh, Kenneth, thank you so much for taking the time today and being a guest on Scanner School. Uh, you're welcome. So, quick uh, summary. Just why don't you do a quick introduction to uh, to who you are. Sure. My name is Kenneth Fowler. I am a general class ham radio operator in Virginia. My call sign is KD4IIW. DMR is a relatively new phenomenon in ham radio, and every year it gets bigger and bigger. Right, and it's growing based on, I mean, there's other digital technologies out there, right? For amateur, you have uh, D-Star and Fusion, P25. So this is just another piece of di- digital. Uh, NXDN. <laughs> NXDN. It's yeah. also in there somewhere, yeah. Yes, although I haven't really seen any NXDNs in my neck of the woods, but I'm sure it's out there somewhere. 
So administrative DMR is basically is, can be used via simplex or via repeaters. So really quick, I mean, this ties into what, tier one and tier two DMR spec? So DMR obviously has three flavors, uh, mm-hmm. three levels, and that was you made a podcast on that too. So yes. uh, most of ham radio DMR stuff occurs in a tier two conventional type systems, non-trunking. There is no trunking DMR in ham radio. It's two slots, so it's TDMA versus the other digital format of FDMA. Uh, you have time slot one and two, and you have things like color codes and talk groups and regional talk groups and tech channels. So there's a lot of uh, a lot of talk groups out there. Gotcha. So even though there is no trunking, there is still you know still talk groups, and you still need to program in the color code into the radio as well. So that's you know it's kind of like a PL code, DPL, NAT code. It's just the DMR flavor of that one. So yes. somebody's getting introduced into DMR world. They want to listen to it on uh, an amateur radio, which is a great way to actually get started if you don't really have any any knowledge of DMR besides you start programming a trunk system. Right, amateur radio DMR is pretty straightforward. It's just one repeater with a bunch of people using talk groups on it, basically. Yes. Right, that's, okay. And how do we go out and find the local DMR repeaters? There is a great reference called Repeater Book. You go to a place called repeaterbook.com, and uh, you can also find information in your local frequency management groups for ham radio. They are spread all over the place. They're regional. Here in the D.C. area, uh, Maryland, Virginia, West Virginia, we have a thing called TMARC, and they're the frequency coordinators for ham radio repeaters. Believe it or not, even DMR ham radio exists through alternative networks though internet linked based stuff called uh, uh there's probably three or four of them now but the biggest is a, a thing called brandmeister and they are out of germany but they link both repeaters and just users through hotspots or like uh mini mini repeater devices that you can uh, use in a simplex format from your radio to the internet and back to your radio okay so what about like um is it dmr mark i think was the other one i was i was looking around on is that another database, they or has that were work? the original SeaBridge. So DMR has a, uh, networks called SeaBridges. They're IP-based platforms used to link multiple repeaters. Uh, so DMR was kind of the first. They were also the first organization that issued DMR IDs to individuals. That has since gone to another organization called Radio ID. Each individual on a DMR system needs an individual ID. So you, you as a ham would have your call sign, but you also need ad- identification. It's uh, how many digits, six or seven digits, that identifies you to the network. Okay. And that's like your Radio ID then? It's just, it's a yes. unique shell number to you? Okay. So, and again, too, I guess a, a list of talk groups will also be found on the same uh, website. So, I mean, Repeaterbill wouldn't have the actual talk groups out, but there is a central location of what's defined out there in the world as far as talk groups. Repeater book is a good idea, a good um, okay. reference point. I'll also reference, let's say, here in Virginia, we have a system called DMRVA. It's basically a statewide sea uh, bridge that connects a lot of repeaters. And each sea bridge has their own website, basically, that will a list who's connected to them and what talk groups are available, what time slots they're on, etc. Okay. So I know locally here we have uh, the Bronx Turbo Network, which some repeaters are linked to and others are not. So it all kind of depends who's part of that network. So here in the tri-state area, that just seems to be where where most of uh, repeaters are linked to as well. So 
there's a hard, basically a hard code defined list of talk groups that are global. Are they regional or how, how are talk groups basically uh, divvied up? It depends on where they originate from. So okay. some talk groups originate from DMR Mark. Uh, some come from the Brandmeister network. Uh, some come from the alternative networks. There's a network called TGIF. They, let's see. I know there is a, a reference number, a reference page. Let me see if I can find it. Okay, why are you looking that up? So if you had just three different networks, TGIF, Bridgemeister, and uh, DMR Mark, they could have their own independent list of talk groups. So if you were on, say, talk group 44 on a DMR Mark system, that wouldn't or would it equate to a trunk group 44 or talk group 44 on uh, Bridgemeister? No, on, on okay. the Brandmeister network. They try not to duplicate numbers just to make it easy. Uh, okay, but they're independent networks then? Sure. Okay. I'm on a I'm on a website now called dmrfordummies.com, and it talks about the difference between DMR Mark talk groups and Brandmeister talk groups. That might be a good place to start. Gotcha. So as as you can tell, I'm kind of at the infancy stage of amateur radio DMR. <laughs> so, um, I'll definitely check that one out. So you talked too about time slots, right? It's typical DMR. You have time slot one, time slot two. Uh, yes. I've seen locally here, though, when I look at some of the repeaters, they always say, you know, time slot one, and it gives maybe a list of either one or two talk groups, or it could have, you know, half a dozen talk groups assigned to talk group one. Yes. On talk group two, they'll, they'll say that this is a, um, a club or a reserved time slot for, you know, private talk groups. I mean, is that the way that typically these, these are uh, set up? Yes. So it depends on what Seabridge you're connected to, uh, and the Seabridge will offer a finite number of talk groups, and then the repeater owner decides which ones they want and what time slot they put them on. Okay. So Let's if, see here. So if you had, like, say, I don't know, three or four talk groups, they would all be assigned to talk group one, uh, time slot one. Would they be on all the time, and then the end user would just set up their radio to listen to that talk group, or are they just somebody can just come in there and, and enable that talk group, and how does that actually work? If, so if you look at the list, right. and there's, there's a half a dozen talk groups on that, on that repeater, so are those talk groups always linked? I'm going to look at DMRVA. Uh, okay. That C-Bridge basically spells out which talk groups are going to offer on what time slot. Right. Uh, a lot of them are push-to-talk activated with okay. five-minute timers or 15-minute timers. So on a scanner, if you want to listen to that talk group, unless somebody activates it on that repeater, you're not going to get the audio from it. Gotcha. So they're not always broadcasting then. So even though it's listed no. there, it's okay. Now, if somebody were to come on and they want to listen to a, a talk group that's outside of that listed talk groups, could they enable that talk group or they other talk groups are then locked out? I mean, how does that usually work? Or is it um, easier to find? Like with my, with my setup, I have them on at full time just in case they are activated. I will, I'll be able to listen to them. Uh, let's see. Repeater near me basically has everything that's there. It's either dynamic or or static. Okay. So the static talk groups are on full time. The let's say our statewide talk group Virginia is number three one five one. That's going to be on full time on every repeater in the network. That's basically like the statewide calling frequency. Gotcha. So if if you had like say you had that let's just talk uh, simple numbers here. So if on a repeater, talk group one, two, three, and four are full-time talk groups, right? Obviously, they would be linked at full-time, but you wouldn't hear them unless there was something active on that that talk group at a particular time. Then, yes. so you have groups five and six, those would be dynamic, right? Those would only be available if somebody were to link them up. 
outside of those six talk groups, though, say I want to listen to talk group 10, would I as an end user be able to just link talk group 10 or would that be reserved for something that's on the private side on, on talk group of a time slot two? Is that what time slot two is normally for then? In the Virginia network, all of basically all of the ones that are static talk groups are on time slot two. Okay. Because then repeater owners don't want to tie up particular time slot with both static and dynamic channels all at the same time. Okay. Yeah, because I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it from like, uh, you know, the old analog IRLP, Echolink, and DSTAR users where, you know, we have certain modules that, that are set up. So like on DSTAR, the gateway that I administer, we have the, the B, uh, the beta module, right? That's our 440 yes. module. And that module stays full-time in Reflector 20. Uh, I forget which port it stays active to, but it's, you know, it's the local bridge that seems to reflect it, like it's like to uh, tie into. But we leave module C, which is our two-meter repeater, we leave that one open. So we we have a welcome message. It's basically, if you want to use the repeater, the 440 is always linked. Don't unlink it. But the two-meter is yours to play around with, and you can do whatever you want on the two-meter link. You want to link it to some, you know, reflector, great, you know, but there is a timer on it after 15 minutes. If you haven't keyed up, then we close the link. So if the next guy comes in and realizes that nobody's listening to it anymore, then if it's a quiet repeater, they can come in, they can link to whatever it is they want to link it to. So, you know, this sure. is just the mind yeah, freight. Like the, uh, oh, go ahead. That's like the Fusion repeater here we just installed, yes. Okay. So, yeah, so that's the mind frame. That's what I'm kind of, because now you add the second time slot on it. I mean, obviously, you know, I'm just trying to figure out if it's if it works kind of the exact same way where somebody can come in on, on time slot two then oh. and just and just link it to whatever they want to link it to. No, I, then, okay. I get your question now. Yes. No, it is standard so whatever the repeater owner set up is the way it's set up because dmr doesn't have like unless you're using a hotspot connected to the internet mm-hmm. that is controlled by you as the user the it's everything else is either controlled by the c bridge or the repeater owner okay so there's no way for the actual end uh the end amateur operator user to say oh, i want to listen to you know something in my home country or or a country i'm um, visiting and then link it up you'd have to do that on your own local hotspot then well no also there are some repeaters that are in the connected to the brandmeister network and they okay. have a particular slot that a user can come in and use whatever talk group they want right but yes. i'm saying if the repeater is not linked so there are some of those that are okay right so i'm saying if, if the if the sysop or the or the uh, administrator repeater hasn't put that talk group into the talk group list basically you can't come in there and just say i want to i want to go to this this talk group if it's not predefined uh, it depends on the repeater. Okay. Uh, some of the repeaters are on the Brandmeister network, mm-hmm. and they have a open slot, okay. so a user can come in and activate any talk group on that slot. Okay. Okay. That's 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 kind of what I was asking. So that's perfect. So yes. now also too we have two time slots on it, so you can actually have two conversations going at the same time. Yes. Uh, so say like on your local repeater, you had a couple of talk groups that are on full time. If one talk group is active, right, it would obviously tie up time slot one. Would it would the second talk group that comes on occupy time slot two, or would it would it not? You would get locked out. You would get locked out. Okay, so you yes. would never hear what would happen on that on that talk group then. So if you have a really busy talk group that's active, you may never hear another talk group on there because the first one is always so active. Then it doesn't roll over to time slot two. Right. I uh, let's say time slot one. There's a talk group that's active on this repeater, and it's being broadcast. If I wanted to use a different talk group on that same time slot while the uh, transmission is going on, I would get a, a bonk or a beep or something that would say, channel's busy. So, Gotcha. And the radio should, on the user end, should be set up that way so that you aren't um, keying up on top of somebody else. 
Gotcha. Okay, so if you have a really so if you had like two really busy tour groups, I mean when one dekeys, the other really the other tour group can then hijack that time slot then and you wouldn't hear or be able to yes. rejoin the conversation. Okay. So that's a little bit different too than uh, than uh what I'm used to also when it comes to say Echo Link or D Star, right? When you're on the reflector, you're on the reflector, but there's the opportunity on DMR to actually lose the conversation. So I guess that's another example why you'd want to join uh, a repeater group and have access to the time slot too, so that you know if you want something you want to listen to, you can actually tie up that talk group or that time slot. I keep saying talk group, I mean time slot. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, different different things. So I guess reflectors, rooms, talk groups. <laughs> yes, I know there's there's a lot in here, especially you know when you're getting used to it. So you did bring up though a hotspot. A hotspot, I guess, would be something you would buy commercially, or can you make it using a Raspberry Pi and another radio? Or how does how does the hotspot normally work? The two I own are uh, Raspberry Pi Zero based. Okay, uh, that's good. These are these are Zoom spots. Uh, there's a ham that uh, kind of created a hat for the Pi Zero. These two I bought from HRO that sells them in kits, and they're really okay. simple to put together. There are as many hotspots out there as there are probably ham radio operators. And the availability of, of Pi, Pi Zeros, Pi Threes, Pi Three Pluses is, is mm-hmm. enormous. So Right, and nowadays yeah. Pi Fours. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's good. So you can really, I mean, you can, what's the, like, the average price so to get into a hotspot if somebody wanted to go that route with it? Uh, anywhere between probably a hundred dollars and five hundred dollars. Okay, so it all depends. And so they're pretty. Kind of... uh, most of them are all multimodal too, so you can do DMR, T Star. Oh, really? NXDN Fusion, all that. Okay, because I'm used to the old like D Star hotspot where it was the USB dongle that had the AMBE yes. and the uh, and you plug that into your computer and it had a little antenna on it and you'd run you know, the software, and that would basically get you out in the outside world. In the meantime, too, you also have to register with your local D-Star machine so you can get your IP port and you can get the call sign on the network. And if you didn't do that, then you had to go. So I guess, again, you'd have to register with a uh, radio ID for the hotspot or, or a hotspot ID to get on the network. And then from there, you'd be able to just use your two-way radio in the house, right, your HT, and then you yes. go through your hotspot and out to the uh, The hotspot would basically use the same ID as your user ID in the DMR okay. network. So it's even easier then. Okay. And I like the fact too, it's multi-mode. That's interesting. Uh, so I haven't the really... The assumption there is so you're not using two devices at the same time. So... Okay. So by two devices, do you mean your your handheld radio and the hotspot or... Well, because it's a, either a duplex link or a simplex link back to your radio, but you wouldn't be able to use two different modes at the same time. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, because I know, I think with, uh, you know, there's, there's other uh, hotspots out there where you actually use your computer you know, and use the microphone and speakers in the computer to use that as the radio, I suppose. I think Echolink worked that way as well, where you just you would just tie into the Echolink world with uh, mm. your computer. So you didn't need a radio to get involved with that one. But, all right. So I guess to get started, right, you said you needed a, a, a radio ID. So you, you, you log on, right, to, was it, um, uh, it wasn't DMR Mark anymore, right? It was, what's the website no, for that it's, one? it's, uh, RadioID.net. Okay, and that's again, that's only for amateur operators. So you get your radio ID, and you yes. put that radio ID into your radio when you get the radio. You would need to know your local repeater, right? It's it's uh it's input output frequency, as well as the color code, right, to access that repeater. Yes. You would also need to know what talk groups are active on that repeater, so you can put that talk group into your radio as well as the time slot, so that when you tune to that talk group, then it would basically unmute the radio when that talk group becomes active on your radio. 
yes, it's uh, building a code plug is uh, is uh, monumental to some. It's okay. Once once you get the hang of it, it's easy. But but there are radios out there, right? Like people actually have code plugs for, and they kind of share them, and you just dump that code plug into your radio. Is that how some of these radios are set up? Yes. Okay, so that makes it a little bit easier. So now let's flip the script a little bit. So now let's just say from an end user, from a scanner radio point of view, so we've kind of discussed a little bit on how, from the two-way perspective, how this network works. So from a scanner radio user, we would kind of need the same thing, right? We would need to know basically what the closest DMR repeater is. And then from there, we just set it up. Basically, we can either set up to listen to the color code and the talk group ID, or we can just throw wildcards in it, right? And is that the best way you would recommend to set it up? Okay. I and, I prefer the talk group route and identifying which slot I'm listening to. But yes, you can do wildcard. Okay, yeah. So just to get started, right? Just to make sure your radio works, right? Mm-hmm. Would be a good idea just to throw wildcards in there. And from there, you can start filtering it out. And what I've tried doing too is uh, just by playing around the last couple of weeks, you know, while we were scheduling up this this interview, was I did take one of my radios and I parked it on the local repeater, and you know, I can hear conversations going along all the time. I can see the user IDs kick in. I can see the the talk group ID kick in. I can see the time slot that's out there, and you know I can. It's it does sound very clear. It's 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 a very nice network. The one thing I though I did try and do, which I did stumble over, was try to add the user IDs into the scanner so that I could at least see the to- uh, the call sign name of of who is keying in. And it seems like a lot of these online websites limit you to a hundred hundred rows of output when you'd run your query. So if I wanted to say run everybody in New York State, it wouldn't let me do that. So if I tried doing everybody with a W two call sign in New York State, it would limit me to a hundred users. So you really can't grab a full database unless you have, I guess, you know, an NSQL dump uh, of the actual table and then had a way of, of manipulating that data to get what you wanted out of it. So is that kind of correct? Yeah, there are websites that do um, data polls and will at least for the ham portable or ham H T and uh I've done that where you upload databases of users into your radio so that it displays name and location and things about the user. But on the scanner side, I'm not really sure how that works. Okay. Yeah, I was trying to you know do some of those those polls manually just to see you know because you can program it pretty easily in in the scanner radio. You just uh, for the talk group, you would just put the radio ID with I believe an I in front of it, and then you just put the alias next to it. So it's kind of like building a, a talk group, but you it's just a radio ID instead. But I kind of limited it at 100. I'm like, well, you know what, this is that's far enough. <laughs> so so I left it at that. But as far as getting started, though, it seems like all you need is a, is a scanner radio that does do DMR. So if you have a unit in radio, right, you would need to pay for the DMR upgrade on it. If you had a Whistler TRX-1, you're basically good out of the box because the Whistler T, uh, TRX-1 and 2 do include DMR. And mm-hmm. uh, it works really well on, on a tier 2 type of system, which is exactly what this is. It's repeaters linked together with a backhaul. So there's no, act- no actual trunking. The, the trunking is, and it's a, to clarify here, right? With, with trunking, we mean multiple frequencies on the same type of network. So this is just one repeater. It's just one input and output frequency with a bunch of talk groups on it. So it's not considered to be trunking. It's just using talk groups as uh, groups of people sharing the same output frequency or the same group of linked repeaters with a single output frequency is probably the best way to do that one. So if somebody wants to get involved with DMR as far as uh, an amateur radio side and they are looking for a piece of equipment, is there any type of size of hotspot? What type of uh, two-way manufacturer equipment would you recommend somebody get in? Well, there are so many manufacturers out there. Majority of them are from China, but uh, <laughs> let's see. 
the uh, Woshin or the Walkson okay. is one brand. There's uh, Redivis, there's uh, TYT, obviously Motorola, if you're going to spend some money. Motorola yeah. will make some good good equipment. Hytera, even though they're having issues with uh, importing their goods into the U.S., they're, they're still out there. Uh, okay. uh, I'm so trying what to about think like, uh, like the Anytone device, because I was looking at one of those for a while, oh, yes. so... Then there's uh, Anytone and okay. uh, even uh, Alinko makes okay. some DMR HTs. So which which equipment? I mean, based on this, is one, two, three, four, five, six. So there's eight right there. What are you using? Uh, I have a TYT MD seven twenty seventeen. It's a dual band. Okay. And I have a I actually have a Hytera AR four eighty two G, which I guess is probably discontinued by the manufacturer because. I think I got the last one from HRO off a gotcha. open box special. So <laughs> okay, so so there's plenty out there, and I guess in price ranges too, we'll go from about you know 150 plus to looking at Motorola. I mean, a couple hundred bucks. So and again, yes. too, the software for most of these are are out there, with the exception again from the Motorola equipment. It, it's pretty much free programs and and uh, allow these to they will allow you to import and export your code plug files and again a code plug file right for those that don't know would be basically just the configuration of the radio including the transmit receive frequencies uh, radio IDs uh, talk group IDs basically it's a uh, an image of the memory system within the radio yes okay so um, when you get somebody's code plug then basically you would just modify it with your radio ID and then uh, you, yes. you shouldn't think each, you um, to go each talk group that you want has to be a separate channel Okay. And I, and then you have a zone. So I set up my zones geographically or by repeater. That's just my. And then in it. each okay. zone, you get a channel, and each channel has to be the, the frequency, the talk group, the time slot. I'm trying to think. And then digital receive groups. So with the ham gear, you can actually scan the talks, the time slot, whether the repeater was activated or not, even if it was a. I don't know, I'm trying to think. No, that only works for the. Uh, for the uh, dynamic groups. Okay. But yeah, you can actually scan all of the traffic even though you didn't key up and activate anything on that one time slot. Gotcha. So it's kind of like a, a wild card scan then basically in that time slot? Yes. Okay. And it would be the same thing you get on a scanner too, I guess, if you did the, the, the wild card. So um, now, again, you're saying that DMR is a global? So there's repeaters all over the world basically that, that are uh, active on DMR? Yes. Uh, every... Every country that you can think of that has active VHF, UHF, ham radio will probably have a DMR repeater. Excellent. So it's, I mean, it's definitely not new technology either, too. I mean, when it comes to, you know, in general, but is it, would you say it was fairly new to the amateur market or is it, because it's definitely still growing. I mean, I think at this point it's, it's probably more popular than D-Star, which kind of killed itself by not really, you know, extending itself beyond ICOM. And I, I feel that, you know, Fusion might go the same way because it's stuck to Yesu equipment. But it sounds like DMR is pretty much, you know, going to be a, a larger footprint and more of a, of a user share, right? There are at least more manufacturers of the repeaters. Hytera is one of them. Motorola, obviously. I'm not quite sure beyond that, but there are at least more than one manufacturer of repeaters. So I think it's okay. easier for people to put them up. Gotcha. Very good. All right. Do you have any additional hints or tricks to somebody who's looking to get into DMR, at least, you know, either through the hammer radio stuff or just using their scanner to monitor, you know, amateur radio DMR? Uh, trying to think. Yeah, find out what what's the major 
group in your state or your area and visit their website because they're all out there. And they will have uh, great lists of talk groups, what time slot they're on, what repeater they're on, uh, whether they're dynamic or static. Or uh, They publish these great spreadsheets of uh, loads of information. Excellent. And if somebody wanted to reach out and find you on DMR, what's the best way they could find you? My ID number is 315-1100. So if, that's a good question too. Can I just punch in your ID onto a, onto a radio and try and key it up and get you direct? Does it work that way as well? Uh, I I believe they don't, it's not a direct call. Okay. Uh, it, it depends, you know, it's it's supposed to allow like text messaging and direct calls. But I think it depends on what network you're connected to. Like gotcha, if you yeah. were at Bronx Turbo, it might not it might not find me in a different part of the world or network. Okay. Yes, I know we we tried to set that up too on on uh, I did the the, uh, the D Star network here. We had to pop in another module, which I forget what it was at this point. But that would almost allow you to put a user's call sign in there, and it would try and figure out where they were, so it would route the call to them. But you know, we didn't do much playing around with that to actually see if the theory actually went into it. You know, it worked. But, you know, that's that was kind of what we played around with as well. So yeah. uh, it and definitely sounds like, though, DMR is probably more popular at this point than any other digital mode on amateur radio, right? It's the fastest growing at the moment. Okay. That's probably the way of kind, of, kind of very static as far as their growth. but mm-hmm. um, And people can find me on uh, as well on the Virginia Statewide Talk Group, which is number 3151. So, again, if they're outside of Virginia, too, they can just get their own hotspot and pop in 3151 in the, in the talk group list, and they would be patched into um, that, right? Well, again, it, no, right? Because it, de- it depends. It depends where, which, who's... <laughs> Uh, somebody gave me an example of what there's a Texas statewide talk group. The Texas statewide talk group that's originated in Texas is you'll you'll get everybody in Texas. If you're on that talk group through like Brandmeister, it's not going to be uh, rebroadcast through. Sometimes those talk groups don't uh, work that way. They don't align. Okay. So I guess it's wherever your hotspot well, ends up being too. So unfortunately, I just found out my repeater is down here in Fredericksburg, Virginia. So. Uh-oh. I'm not sure what my alternative is at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I think around here, I looked at my map, there's probably just in my immediate area, there's probably about four or five DMR repeaters, which is mind-boggling. So, you know, that's why I'm just trying to compare it to everything else. It's like we have, uh, you know, one uh, D-Star repeater in, in the county that I'm in, right? And that's the one I help maintain. But there's like four or five DMR repeaters. I I got to look and see how many P25 there are and, and fusions, but it just seems like the DMR, like you said, it's, it's growing ra- really rapidly. So it is definitely one to definitely check out. So, And I do use the uh, regional talk every once in a while because you can then talk to people in other states and other, other regions. There's a mid-Atlantic group, which I believe covers us from New York to Virginia. Okay. So maybe if I ever get myself onto DMR, I'll, I'll give you a shout on one of those uh, those groups then. So, because I, I definitely was looking at the Anytone for a while, because I think somewhere I saw a, a video on there was a new one that came out. So they were comparing, you know, the hardware versus the new one, the old one, and they were they were saying that the previous model was was still just as good as the new one, and they had a, a much cheaper price tag on it. So, but um, I'm surprised to see though that that walks on and and is is in the game, and I want to I want to see how how 
similar the TYT is to the Wuxon, to be honest with you, because it looks like, you know, when you get TYT and Wuxon and, and uh, Baofeng in the same group, it's like they all have the same back-end firmware on everything, but it's just a different radio body, <laughs> you know. They're all they're all the same, uh, but different. You always wonder if there's some factory in uh, China that's making everybody's radios. <laughs> yeah. And I also heard, too, that Alinko was an Anytone uh, distributor, too, for the state, so I think they might be tied in together as well. So I think when I was looking at that a couple of weeks back that uh, I might have seen that as well. I guess it's like Whistler making Radio Shack scanners or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Well, again, too, uh, it's – yeah, it's 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 interesting because I think Whistler Group – Whistler USA, I think, was, was uh, the Alinko distributor and repair facility, I think, too, for quite a while as well. So I think they all kind of play the same – you know, they all they all do kind of the same but different stuff. But, but anyway, Ken, thank you uh, again for, for – educating us on amateur radio DMR and how it works and how things link together. I definitely learned a few things that there's different networks. So even though you have talk groups and you have repeaters, they might be on a different back end, right? The different m- nodes or modules, I guess you'd want to say. So yes. they're all not, you know, they, they, it all depends what. So if you have like, so I, if I have like my four or five repeaters here, three might be on Bronx Turbo, one might be on the Germany one, and one might be on something different, right? So they could all be, you got some homework to do if you want to find out who you want to talk to. So it's not as simple as cut and dry. But uh, it does seem like, too, that talk groups that are assigned to talk group one or time slot one are going to be on time slot one. Those who are assigned to time slot two are always going to be on time slot two. The end user may not have the ability to turn on their own talk groups on a system. Uh, usually it's by the repeater owner to allow yes, or disallow certain talk groups. And if you really want to have the full flexibility and full control of whatever it is you want to listen to, your best bet is to go out and buy a hotspot. And today's hotspots, again, I learned something new here, is they are multi-mode, so you can do uh, potentially do DMR, NXDN, and D- yeah, DMR, NXDN, and D-Star on the uh, same the Fusion. Same and, and Fusion, okay. Yeah. P- okay, excellent. So uh, I maybe join this game sometime soon, and if I do, I'll definitely let you know. But for now, I'm listening to it with my 536 with the DMR upgrade on the local repeater, and uh, like I said, it comes in really nice. It comes in clear, and I think the audio quality on it does sound better right now to me from from my ears. Uh, if I listen to my 91 AD, which again looks about something that's older than the 536, and it probably has different vocoder uh, info in it as well. But the DMR does sound a lot clearer to me than the than the D Star. So, but other than that, I mean, do you have anything else you want to uh, bring up on the podcast today as far as DMR and, and monitoring it or anything else? No, I think we uh, we went over the list of what's out there. I know I did an article for a, our, our newsletter down here for our club called the Capitol Hill Monitors. Okay. And uh, I listed, uh, let's see, Uniden uh, as a 325P2. Mm-hmm. At least that's when I... I researched. I think they do DMR. Yep. Uh, 436, 536 can be upgraded. 996 P2 can be upgraded. Some of the Whistler products with some sort of modification is at the 1080, 1088, 1095, 1098. Um, you got the TRX1, The TRX older Radio two. Shack. Yeah. Uh, 668 and Pro 18s, so I guess, can be upgraded as well. Right. If you ship those into Whistler, they, they'll do the upgrade for you on those as well. Out of the box, TRX1, TRX2. And uh, also with the paid upgrade, the STS-100 and 200 can be added to your list as well of radios that will do uh, DMR. So I think that was – I think that's all the radios out there that will do it as far as scanners go. 
Excellent. So if somebody wanted to grab that article from you, uh, the Capital of Monitors, what's the best way they can go ahead and, uh, and grab that? Sure. Or we can always link to it, too. Uh, and, uh, I'll link to it in the session notes as well. Capital Monitors. So this is on a, a website run by a fellow named Alan Henney here in uh, Maryland. Uh, we started kind of a loose uh, scanner club a long, long time ago. But uh, okay. So if you go to henney.com forward slash chm forward slash... You can subscribe to the digital newsletter, and then you can look in the archives as well. Okay, perfect. That article was actually done in May of 2018, so it'll be on the website there to download. Excellent. So what else besides, uh, I mean, you guys look at everything then in the uh, Capitol Hill area then as far as uh, scanner activity then? Yeah, we, and then we have our Facebook component as far as a, it's a branch off from the from the email group that we run. Okay, very good. So I guess you have a lot of and we have a yes. Zello channel. <laughs> we have a Zello channel too. So I don't know if you can hear. I got the iguana behind me making a ton of racket. <laughs> Sometimes she just she she waits till I start, and that's when she makes all the noise. So <laughs> usually I can edit it out, but this one's getting kind of loud. <laughs> so, but uh, if I ever get my hotspots back working again, I'll probably hook up Reflector Twenty and see if I can make a conversation with you. Yeah, no, that that'd be that'd be good. And then what network is that on? Or is it, it – Chris is a hotspot. It's TGIF, right? Oh, no. I was talking about uh, D-Star. Oh, D-Star. Okay. Gotcha. You said you run a system or co-run a system. Yes, I do. But the only problem – yeah, actually, I have two uh, the two D-Star radios. I got the 91 AD, which the batteries – I found out the hard way the battery shot on that one. It won't take a charge. And then I got my 880 on the uh, the desktop over there. So, But I stole that antenna for – Let's listen to a scanner. I needed to get a, a, a signal that's a little far out from my regular scanner antenna. So uh, the amateur antennas work really well on UHF with a little bit of extra gain. So I needed to get a little bit of extra oomph out of that antenna. So, But, uh, but yeah, that'd be good, too. The touch base is on Reflector 20. I think it's on Reflector 20, 20A is where it, we normally park it. So I'll just take a look down here. CT star. Yeah, so we have Reflector 20A. Is where we keep it linked to, and actually, we got right now somebody's got it linked uh, the two meter side to reflect a one C. So, but yeah, normally reflect a twenty A is is where we we keep it. But I I I I rarely turn on that radio to uh, to monitor anything. So, but yeah, it's there. But if you wanna if you wanna touch base one night on there too, just let me know. We set up a schedule, and I'll uh, I'll get the radio on that night. And sometimes we unlink it because with the uh, the local areas and races groups, they run nets and they do check-ins on there as well. So I have Monlink set up on there to, to take down the connection during their net time and then bring us the connection back up after the net's over. So I got that all automated. Keeps life easier. So nobody has to do it before met a net. But all right, Kenneth. So I want to thank you again for being a guest here on the podcast and definitely explaining more of the DMR network when it comes to amateur radio, especially to me as I'm, as I'm just starting my journey on this one. Uh, definitely to our users who now know there's more to it than just putting wild cards in their scanner or the talk group IDs is there's more behind the scenes and you know things even though you're listening to a talk group you may never hear it because it's on a completely different network than what the repeater is that you're listening to so yes uh, that's that's a good piece of uh advice to have and a, a little bit something that will probably save somebody from going bald <laughs> from pulling their hat <laughs> trying to figure out why they can't listen to a talk group they want to hear so and again too the other key point is too is that talk groups are only active if somebody on the usually or would be active if somebody on the on the tail end or, or the two-way side would, would key up that that talk group and that all talk groups are active 24 7 either on 
the local repeater. So it's a little bit different than uh, than most DMR Correct. commercial networks. Usually so. the uh, worldwide stuff and the regional things are push to talk active because yep. if you're on a worldwide channel, you're going to be blowing up your repeater with 24-7 yep. use. <laughs> yes, yeah. But some, some repeaters like that because it does keep the repeater active. So that's why we leave our, uh, our D-Star on 20A so that uh, there's some activity on it, something to listen to. But... All right. Well, again, I want to thank you again so much. We'll definitely be sure to link to the Capitol Hill monitors on uh, the show notes for this podcast. And we'll also uh, direct people down to your system down there in VA if they're traveling through the your your area in the neck of the woods. And uh, to also punch in your user ID into their radios to see if uh, they can see you and hear you on uh, the local system down there. So, again, Kenneth, thank you so much for, uh, for being a guest on the podcast today. I, I greatly appreciate it. You're welcome. Okay, I want to thank Kenneth for being our guest on the podcast this week, and he did an amazing job at going through how to program and listen to and really understand what makes the amateur radio DMR network work. And again, one thing to take away from this is that there's three different kinds of networks within the DMR network. So you also need to know which repeater is that you're listening to and which network it's affiliated with. So again, not every repeater can talk to everything. It's a little bit different than what I'm used to coming from, say, a uh, analog world with Echolink or IRLP or even D-Star. So uh, very interesting to find out that there's three different networks involved here and they all kind of can't talk to each other. So again, Kenneth, thank you so much for setting the record straight on this one and, and educating us all on how to use amateur DMR. And again, before we split, I also want to uh, thank everybody who is a Patreon supporter. Again, if you've listened to the bonus session we just ran a few weeks ago, it does take about $600 a month in order to keep the podcast rolling. So Patreon is one way that we have to help kind of offset that cost. And I want to thank, at the time of this recording, I want to thank our current Patreon supporters. We have Brian Southworth, Craig Harper, Dan, Glenn Bryden, James Felling, John Goldenberg, Ken Newberry, Kenneth Fowler, M.T. Bono, Mark Beebe, Raymond Hill, Scott Vorder, Signals Everywhere, Stephen Sheffield, and William Arcand. Additionally, I want to thank everybody who came out to join us on our Facebook and YouTube live sessions that were held on the first uh, Saturday of September. Again, we'll be doing this again on the first Saturday of October. So I don't have my calendar in front of me. I don't really know the date right now. But again, for those of you who watched the last one and looking forward to the first, the next one coming up, make sure you go ahead and you subscribe to our YouTube channel and click on the bell so you know when we either upload a new video or go live on our next Ask Scanner School live session. Additionally, if you're looking for another way to help support the Scanner School podcast, you can always go to scannerschool.com support where you can find not only a link to our Patreon uh, support page, but you can leave a one-time PayPal donation. And if you're in the market for a scanner radio, you can make your purchases through our Scanner Master affiliate links, our Amazon affiliate links, or if you look at software, we have our links to Butel there as well. So again, I want to thank all of you for listening. We'll catch you all again next Tuesday. This is Scanner School, where we are always here to help you learn more about the scanner radio hobby. My name is Phil Lichtenberger. This podcast is copyright 2019, Monitor Long Island, Inc. We will catch you all again next Tuesday. 73, everyone.